0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Word Podcast tonight as we celebrate the 28 Black films that everyone must see for Black History Month. We'll be airing a new episode of this series each night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Pacific. Each film we feature is a must-see as it reflects the real-life circumstances that many Black people have experienced or can relate to. Watch as these films represent a community with a rich and significant contribution to the world these movies are in no particular order. Don't see a particular movie on the list? Email us at thefinalwordpodcast at yahoo.com. I got a copy from a friend of mine, Karen, for Cabin in the Sky. I want to add it to the list of films we're reviewing, so sit tight. It'll get there. We'll be returning to our previous Sunday night format to discuss current events, politics, and hot bun issues soon, so stay tuned. Thank you to all of our listeners and members of both our Facebook discussion page, facebook.com forward slash groups, forward slash The Final Word Podcast, and our almost 30,000 Twitter followers at The Final Word POD, who kept the conversation going during our hiatus. And special thanks to all the listeners at home who join us live or download our show through both blogtalkradio.com and our platform on iTunes. I'm Angel, your host of The Final Word Podcast, Listeners on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes tonight can call and share their thoughts on our film at 347-826-7899, or if you prefer when we're live, you can just listen through your phone as well, 347-826-7899, callers on the line, I already see you, and let's see who gets the final word. Tonight's film, 1967's In the Heat of the Night.
2: I mean, now! Got a name, boy? Virgil Temple. Virgil. Where you come from? There ain't no trains this time of morning. I could have had you shot.
3: Skulls caved in, man. Could have been a hitchhiker.
0: Got him. Where's my husband?
2: No, I told you to get the hell out of here. You aren't taking me anywhere. You dig? You go get yourself killed. I'm a police officer. Look, they pay you $162.39 a week just to look at bodies. Why can't you look at this one? Why can't you look at it for yourself? I do not want that Negro officer taken off this case. i need a few things: turntables, ammonium hydrosulfide, benzidine, superoxide of hydrogen, <laughs> copper powder, <laughs> distilled water and some toothpicks. Why won't anybody here tell me what's happened to him? Are you sure you're pregnant? Yes, I am pregnant. I can pull that fat cat down. I'm afraid you're a little late, Virgil. We already got the guilty man. Yeah. May I examine this person? Yeah, you can look at him. Come on, let him look. He's left-handed, isn't he? What's that make him? Innocent. I got the motive which is money and the body which is dead. You're holding the wrong man. But don't you push me, boy. They call me Mr. Tips. I people. got a murder on their hands. They don't know what to do with it. In the heat of the night, seems like a
3: cold sweat creepin' caught my child.
1: American Philadelphia police detective Virgil Tibbs, played by Sidney Poitier, is arrested on suspicion of murder by Bill Gillespie, played by Rog Steger, who won an Academy Award for his performance, the racist police chief of tiny Sparta, Mississippi. After Tibbs proves not only his own innocence, but that of another man, he joins forces with Gillespie to track down the real killer. Their investigation takes them through every social level of this town with Tibbs making enemies as well as unlikely friends as he hunts for the truth. The hot surge of racial hate and prejudice that is so evident and critical now in so many places of this country, not alone in the traditional area of the Deep South, is functionally isolated in the ugly little Mississippi town in the heat of the night. Here, the corrosiveness of prejudice is manifested by a clutch of town police and a few weaseling boobs and rednecks towards a black detective from the north who happens to be picked up as a suspect in a white man's murder while he is passing through town.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah
2: meanwhile you just killed yourself a white man just about the most important white man we got around here and picked yourself up a couple hundred dollars i earned that money 10 hours a day seven days a week colored can't earn that kind of money boy hell that's more than i make in a month now where did you earn it philadelphia mississippi pennsylvania Uh, just what you do up there little old pennsylvania earn that kind of money i'm a police officer Any reason why you have to leave today? Lots of reasons. Uh what would you say if I uh I asked you to stay for a while? No. This time need to need a factory, Vernon. We'd come down from Chicago to build it. I hear they're going to hire a thousand men. Half of them be colored. You know what that means? Probably got him killed. That's what Mrs. Cobra thinks. She wants us to catch her killer. No killer, no factory. Well, that's a lot of jobs for a lot of colored people. You follow me? I'm going home, man. But they're your people. Not mine. Yours. You made this scene. What do you want to do? You want me to beg you? Is that what you asked? Look, I've had your town up to here. Boy, it would give me a world of satisfaction a horse whip you, Virgil. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> my father used to say that. <laughs> Even did once or twice. It was not enough to suit me. Now you listen to me. Just once in my life, I'm going to hold my temper. I'm telling you that you're going to stay here. You're going to stay here if I have to go inside and call your chief of police and have him remind you of what he told you to do. But I don't think I have to do that. You see? No, because you're so damn smart. You're smarter than any white man. You're just going to stay here and show us all. You got such a big head that you could never live with yourself unless you could put us all to shame. You want to know something, Virgil? don't think that you could let an opportunity like that pass by.
1: The surge of this evil feeling is also manifested by Tibbs himself after he has been cleared of suspicion and ruefully recruited to help solve the crime, and in this juxtaposition of resentments between whites and blacks is vividly and forcibly illustrated one of the awful dilemmas of our times.
3: Up tight, cause there's a foul owl on the prowl tonight. Hey, little lark, get out of the dark. Foul owl on the prowl.
2: King size Coke and a wedge of pie. <laughs> that is, if that pack of wood ain't sold out again. Can I bring you anything? No, I'm coming in. I thought I told you to get the hell out of here. I'm not ready to. So- I was going to tell you all about that in the morning, Chief. Where do you forget about those four maniacs this afternoon? I need more time. I'm going to on the train myself. I guess so. Oh. All right, Virgil. Just what the hell do you want? I want to know exactly where Sam Wood was at all times on the night of the murder. If you pass his it, tree, tree. If you catch his eye, fly. If you get killed, we're gonna have one hell of a mess in this town, you know that? Right, Sam? I mean Officer Wood. Just like you always order. Yeah, you know I don't eat that stuff. Chief here likes his boy's streamline, ain't that right, Chief? Why don't you <laughs> shut up, Sam? All right, what do you have, Virgil? I ain't serving him. Tuesday night you walked out of here at 2.40, right? Round button. Two minutes from now. up the radio and called in. Do it, please. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, Wood, uh, radio, I'm, uh, leaving confidence now. Hey, Sam, you better look sharp. Let's be sniffing around. That thing. Courtney! I checked with your brother. He told me I didn't tell him to fix that hint. That means I told you. Do you read me, Courtney? Oh, I'll get right on it, Chief. No, I'd do that if I were you. Yes, sir. Ten-four. You can move us, Officer Wood. Who says I change? Look, I ought to know what I did. See? Did I put up with this. Did I work for you and I work for him. Good night, gentlemen.
1: Here, director Norman Jewison has taken a hard, outspoken script prepared by Sterling Silliphant from an undistinguished novel by John Ball, and with stinging performances contributed by Rod Steiger as the chief of police and Sidney Poitier as the detective, he has turned it into a film that has the look and sound of actuality and the pounding pulse of truth. The line of its fascination is not so much its melodramatic plot. It is not in the touch-and-go discovery by the detective of who it was who bumped off that prominent northern industrialist in town to start an integrated mill, or in the gauntlet of perils of bodily injury from snarling rednecks that Mr. Portier constantly runs. Actually, the mystery story is a rather routine and arbitrary one and it is brought to a hasty conclusion in a flurry of coincidences and explanations that leave one confused and a little unconvinced. The fascination of it is in the crackling confrontations between the arrogant small-town white policeman with all his lawyers of ig- layers of ignorance and prejudice and the sophisticated black detective with his steely armor of contempt and mistrust.
2: microscopes anymore. You can tell that to your chief. We don't need him or you. Mrs. I've already told her. I see. Here's the examination yeah. results from Ulam's. Do you want to know what I found? No, I don't need to look at them now. May I examine this prisoner? Yeah, you can look at him. Come on, let him look. Come on. You finished? Thank you. All right, try bring him with me. Now
3: we're driving cars! Hey, George, you should have been there. I want to say, after radios.
2: we should have lost him going over that bridge. Yeah. yeah? And that old boy, had have all that freight train, like to cut us off. Yeah, yeah. And old Charlie's hound dog got loose about right that time. Did he wouldn't have chased him off up there, huh? The man you arrested did he confess well i believe he will (laughs) yes sir i believe he will (laughs) i believe he will (laughs) he's left-handed isn't he how do i know (laughs) well he seemed left-handed to me Uh, i believe harvey is a southpaw uh, now ain't he shagback what if he is what's that make him innocent mrs kobold just one more thing.
3: Okay.
2: Yeah. I picked it up, I tell you. He was already lying there. He was lying there next to him. I just picked it up, ma'am. That's all I did. Shut up. Get him out of here. Okay, come on, Harvey. Let's go. Okay. Cobert, so I uh I wonder if you mind if I'd have somebody drive you over so you could uh, complete the identification. would you run Virgil down the depot uh the Virgil chief he thinks it's Harvey's innocent I'll be damned could I talk to you about it in private no you can't talk to me about it in privacy because I got Cobus wallet right here in my hand we took it from Harvey Obers you don't think he gave it to him do you I don't know but Obers could have come along after the crime found it picked it up I don't know
0: that's what the boy said he did
2: well I'm sorry man but I say different well, when I examined the deceased, it was obvious that the fatal blow was struck from an angle of 17 degrees from the right, which makes it uh, almost certain the person who did it is right-handed. So what? Oh, Harvey's left-handed, Chief. Everybody in town knows that. Yeah, uh, that, that's what we figured out, Chief. Uh, Harvey's a lefty, uh-huh. Well, you're pretty sure of yourself, ain't you, Virgil? Uh, Virgil, that's a funny name for a Big boy that comes from Philadelphia. What do they call you up there? They call me Mr. Tibbs. Mr. Tibbs. Well, Mr. Wood, take Mr. Tibbs. Take him down to the depot, and I mean, boy, like now. I'll have the FBI lab send you the report on this. Not that it'll make any difference. I'll take that. <laughs>
1: It is in the alert and cryptic caution with which these two professional cops face off. The white man arrogant and rueful but respectful of the black man's evident skill and the latter enraged and disgusted by the other's insulting attitudes.
2: Be? Mr. Endicott, this here is Virgil Tibbs. How do you do, sir? Oh, uh, may I have Henry fetch you something, uh, some light refreshment? No, thank you. We're all right the way we oh, are. Oh, I'll have something cold, something soft, anything. Henry, bring in a pitcher of lemonade. I have one, too. Yes, sir. Oh, I didn't know it was possible to grow this species locally. Oh, you like flowers? I do. Oh, Mr. Tibbs, uh, do you know anything about orchids? Well, not very much, but I do like them. Well, let me show you. <laughs> the party What do you think? It's beautiful It's breathtaking Have you a favorite, Mr. Tibbs? Well, I am partial to any of the epiphytics Why, isn't that remarkable? That of all the orchids in this place You should prefer the epiphytics I wonder if you know why Maybe it would be helpful if you'd tell me because, like the Negro, they need care and feeding and cultivating. And that takes time. That's something you can't make some people understand. That's something Mr. Colbert didn't realize. Is this what the apathetics root in? My point! They thrive on it. Take it away from them, they do poorly. What do you call this material? That's Osmondon. root.
1: Here comes the shade.
2: Well? We don't want to take any more of your time, Mr. Endicott. Why'd you two come here? ask you about Mr. Colbert. Let me understand this. You two came here to question me? Well, your... your attitudes, Mr. Endicott, your points of view are a matter of record. Some people, well, let us say the people who work for Mr. Colbert might reasonably regard you as the person least likely to mourn his passing. Mm-hmm. We were just trying to clarify some of the evidence. Was Mr. Colbert ever in this greenhouse, say, last night about midnight?
3: Boom! Oh.
2: <laughs> Good, Yeah. You saw it. I saw it. What are you going to do about it? I don't know. I'll remember that. There was a time when I could have had you shot.
1: He probably still could in Florida. Mm hmm.
2: You better damn well clear out, and I mean fast. What about that big speech you gave me this morning? I didn't know you were going to slap any white man, at least of all, in the car. Give me another day. Two days. I'm close. I can pull that fat cat down. I can bring him right off this hill. Oh, boy. Man, you're just like the rest of us. Ain't you?
1: And it is in the magnificent manner in which Mr. Steiger and Mr. Portier act their roles, each giving physical authority and personal depth to the fallible human beings they are. <laughs> you
2: know, you know, Virgil, you are among the chosen few. How's Well, I think that you're the first human being that's ever been in here. <laughs> you can't be too careful, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know a lot of things, don't you? Well... Just what do you know about insomnia? Bourbon can't cure it. <laughs> well,
3: that's for
2: sure. Mm. Now, look. I got no wife, I got no kids. Boy, I got a town that don't want me. An air conditioner. I have to oil myself. Got a desk with a busted leg, and on top of that, I got this uh, place. Don't you think that'd drive a man to taking a few Mm -hmm. drinks? I'll tell you a secret. Nobody comes here. Close to it, close to it. Don't you get just a little lonely? lonelier than you, man. Oh, now don't get smart, black boy. I don't need it. No pity, thank you. thank you
1: fascinating too are the natures and details of other characters who swarm and sweat through a crisis in a believable mississippi town
2: hey, hey. hey look Purdy. are you you got a complaint Well, right here's where you file it. Uh, What I got to say, I say to the chief. It's about Sam Wood. All right. Yeah. Purdy's out here, sir. It's about Sam. All
3: right.
2: Send him in. He is going to have a baby, Sam Wood's baby. But ask for yourself you don't believe me. What are you doing here? It's important that I hear this. Well, I ain't talking about this with him in the room. Boy, you don't want us to trouble, you'd get... You'd be sensible. I'm a police officer. You gonna get him out of here, or do I gotta do it? <laughs> you ain't gonna do nothing. You just stand there and shut up. Sit <laughs> girl. All right, now. You tell me all about it. You just tell me how it happened. Oh, come on, come on, girl, speak.
4: Well, you know how hard it's been. Yeah. Nights, they aren't any better. My brother works nights. He leaves me all alone. This particular night, I go out on the porch. I'm thinking how nice it'd be if I had a fountain drink. Sam comes down our road. Just like he comes every night. Passing like a lord in that fine, big, shiny car. Only this time he stopped. Got a nice face, don't you think, Chief?
2: So he stopped.
4: He
2: says... What? I didn't hear what you said.
4: He says... Hey, girl. You know what the coolest spot in town is? And I says... No, Sam, I guess I don't. And he says... A cemetery, that's where. No, why? They got all of them big, cool tombstones. Have a stretch out in a tombstone, Lars. Feel all that nice, cool marble along your body.
2: You said that? You here, Chief. You here. Yeah, I hear. I hear. All right, now. Sam comes along. He stops in front of your house. He starts to talk to him. What else? Well, oh, come on now, girl. What else? What else? What else? So I went for a ride
4: with him. Where'd
2: you go? the cemetery. So Wood took you to the cemetery in the patrol car, right? And then things went a little bit too far. Is that what you're saying? To get a little bit out of line? Well, come on now. Is that what you're trying to say? Come on, girl. Is it or ain't it? Now, i got one more question, very important. Did he force you, or did you let him? Don't mean to damn whether she let him or not. She is still 16 in this state. That's rape. I checked her, and I know the plain law, now. I know the laws
4: in the state of Mississippi. Thank you.
2: Are you sure you're pregnant?
4: Yes, I am pregnant.
2: Courtney? better get in here with a pad and a pencil. Hi, you Virgil. Hi. And, uh, uh, you sure saved my hide. Listen, Harvey, man, uh, if a guy knocks up a girl in this town, where can he go for help? Uh, barbershop. Barbershop borrow Mr. Fanning's razor and cut your throat. <laughs> well, I <laughs> suppose Mr. Fanning's razor is too dull. Suppose he's got some real money to spread around. Uh, well, uh, I used to be a colored gal. But, uh, she kept bumping her price. And I don't know if she's still in business. What's her name? Well, I ain't never had to look her up. But, uh, Paki might know. Where do I find Packy? Down at the pool hall. But, man, he wouldn't tell you. Not unless I say so. And, uh, well, how am I gonna say so locked up in here? Suppose I get word to Packy that you want to see him, have him come here. Let him bring me a cheeseburger. Onions. <laughs> what are you talking Uh A bird?
1: The end of it all is not as conclusive as you think it would be.
2: Tell me. People around
0: here call me Mama Caliba.
2: Mama, I'm not from around here. But you can put me on my train.
0: You talk crazy. You are gin drunk.
2: Just homesick. Lord, Lord. Whisper two little words, Mama, and I'm on my
0: way. Maybe I don't want to sever a beautiful child like you right out.
2: Man's name. First name, last name. The man who's paying you for Dolores Purdy's abortion.
0: You're the boy who works for Mr. Charlie. I thought that's who you was. Why you want to do that? Why you want to help the police like that? They steal in your soul. They chew you up and spit you out.
2: I'm not here to lay a finger on you, Mama. It's the white boy I want.
0: What you got against him? He's paying for his fun.
2: How much? I bet he's not paying you more than a 100 You know how much he's got in his pocket right now? More than
0: $600. That <laughs> <Duck> Cracker. <laughs> Where'd he come off getting 600
2: He killed Mr. Colbert.
0: Oh, I'm crazy out of your mind.
2: Now, listen. Hear me good, Mama. Please. Don't make me have to send you to jail.
0: Not you care?
2: There's white time in jail and there's colored time in jail. The worst kind of time you can do
0: is colored time. Child, you promise. Give me understanding. I got used to better. You won't take it away. I won't take it away.
3: Well
0: I don't know his name, but she's coming here tonight. Get herself straight.
3: I'm
2: going to teach you, boy. Don't club this time, man. Gun's not smart. The way you killed Colbert was much smarter.
3: You killed Colbert.
2: He's is Crazy. Crazy. (laughs) mean she's got a hundred dollars to pay for an abortion listen to that Black face. money she got face. from ralph you gonna listen to him he got her to tell you that sam wood did it he made a fool out of you
1: purdy lotus It does not imply that the state of prejudice and antagonism in the community is any different from what it was at the start, but it does suggest that a rapport between two totally antagonistic men may be reached in a state of interdependence, and that's something to be showing so forcefully on the screen in 1968. As they work together to solve the murder mystery in an atmosphere of hatred and antagonism, the central focus of the film is on the changing, unfolding relationship between the two clashing, strong-willed men as they move from inherent prejudice to grudging mutual respect and admiration for each other. Virgil helps to solve the case amidst Southern racist tensions. Suspects include wealthy citizen Eric Endicott and redneck Sheriff Bill Gillespie's bigoted deputy Sam Wood, who is also accused of impregnating slutty 16-year-old Dolores Purdy in town. By the film's conclusion, it is revealed that the real murderer and true father of the girl is a diner counter worker named Ralph Henshaw, who confesses in the sheriff's office that he has murdered Colbert to pay for Dolores' abortion. In the final memorable scene, after the crime is solved, Virgil, Tibbs, and Gillespie say goodbye at a train station as Virgil leaves town. Virgil takes his suitcase, which Gillespie is carrying. Gillespie. Well, got your ticket? Here you are. Gillespie hands him his luggage. Virgil, thank you. Gillespie offers his hand for a handshake. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Tibbs climbs the stairs of the train as Gillespie walks away a bit. Virgil, Tibbs looks back. You take care here. A faint smile crosses both their faces. Yeah. Tibbs enters the train car. Surprisingly, the film was nominated for seven Academy Awards and received five Oscars, including Best Picture, Best Actor for Rod Steiger, Best Screenplay, Sterling Siliphant, Best Sound, and Best Film Editing. It defeated Best Picture competitors Bonnie and Clyde and director Mike Nichols, The Graduate, and another portier vehicle on interracial marriage, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Although Steiger won the Best Actor Oscar, Sidney Portier didn't even receive a nomination. Steiger had stiff Best Actor competition from Warren Beatty in Bonnie and Clyde, Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke, Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate, and Spencer Tracy in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. And nominated Norman Jewison failed to take home the Best Director Oscar for the celebrated film. Instead, Mike Nichols won the award presumably because he had failed to win as Best Director the previous year for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf in 1966. The film's other losing nominations were for Best Sound Effects. Following the success of this film, Sidney Portier reprised his Virgil Tibbs character in two other films. I didn't know that, did you know that? He investigated the murder of a prostitute in the sequel They Call Me Mr. Tibbs in 1970, and battled against drug-smuggling ring in the organization in 1971. The film was the first Best Picture Oscar winner to be adapted into a regular prime-time TV series in 1988, with Carol O'Connor as Sheriff Bill Gillespie and Howard Rollins as Virgil Tibbs. All in all, this movie is incredibly powerful to still watch relevant to a lot of the attitudes of today and such a great standout performance for Sidney Portier. There's no way you can't watch this film just in awe of how much presence this man has. It's a great film. You're listening to Ray Charles's In the Heat of the Night. Our followers on Facebook can join our Facebook group and I've included a link if you want to watch this film. I will find a link for the final two films as well. I hope you guys have a good rest of the night, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight on the Final Word Podcast here on blogtalkradio.com. We hope you'll tune in to the next installment of our Black History Month Film Festival series as we review 1999's Introducing Dorothy Dandridge. You can reach out reach out to us through our social media platforms on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash The Final Word Podcast on Twitter at The Final Word POD. And remember to follow us here on blogtalkradio.com where we provide you a place to stream or download current and past shows onto your mobile device or computer. So tune into our next show and let's see who gets the final word.